hello again. Last week, we talked about the thin place of song, and I really hope that especially our teens and parents have a listen to that because we talk about why song is so important to our young folk, how it, how it builds rooms of meaning and it gives words to the feelings that they have and it helps define their ideas in place. It's a very powerful thing, song is. We need songs. By the way, a shout out on Father's Day to, to Mark for all the good that he does here, but he must be an amazing father because I don't know if you saw that or not, but right before we took the break for the offering, we did a song and I heard a, a very enthusiastic yay. And I looked over here, and Sylvie was standing. Oh, I could see with the fist up. Uh, but she was, she was into the worship. Yeah, the more song in the house, the better. It helps us. And in fact, the lack of song hurts us. And I've been studying something recently, uh, actually reading other people's studies. That's a better way to put it, on why so, so many modern protest movements fail. Think of Occupy Wall Street, for example. We're not talking about the, the validity of complaints here. Uh, there are several others that we could use, but they flare up. They seem to really you know, make a huge impact and then disappear. Now, there are a lot of complicated reasons why that's true. Social media and the like has changed the, the landscape. But one of the factors that they put in is that there was no unifying songs. Think of the protest movements back in the 60s. You had the manic depressive minstrels everywhere with their guitars and, uh, and, and sandals, and, and you know, they were singing the same songs. The songs moved things along. Without songs, there was no unity. Of course, it's more complicated than that, but that's, that was an important thing. Interesting. Songs drive communities forward, and they've always been a hallmark of the church. In fact, in the Western world, for most of the last 2,000 years, if you wanted to hear music, you had to go to a church or you had to make your own. Those were your only two options. In many localities and for many centuries, it was the only place where music could be heard on a regular basis. If you're thinking about, the, well, wait, they were writing symphonies and they were writing operas and the like. Yes, they were, but people like us weren't allowed to go there. You had to be of the nobility or of the gentility to be allowed inside these places to hear that music. It was not allowed for the commoner, for the common worker. In fact, uh, you could go to prison if you tried to sneak in to listen to the music. But in church... You could listen. Remember the first time that I, I heard an opera, and it was on the radio as we were driving about, and I looked at my dad, and I said, what is that? And he said, well, that's opera. And all, I thought it was actually somebody harming a woman, and I was hoping that somebody would fix it. Um, and he explained that, no, that's a different language, and this is the way they do, and it's a really formal kind of thing. And I keep thinking, but why would one want to do that? And I, again, it was first exposure. Songs get in your head. Earworms abound. An earworm is a tune that will not leave your head, and I will not give examples because I love you. But songs are often the last thing we remember as we stay by the side of our aging grandparents or parents, and perhaps dementia in one of its forms has taken over the brain. 
one of the last things to leave are the songs. And even when the songs, they can't sing them, they smile and light up when they're sung. Now, I'm no singer, although I've been encouraged to sing by a couple uh, of folk. I, I like just to play the guitar, but I've posted some songs, and I did a, a mashup of um, Elvis and Vera Wood used a Scottish tune for their, their song Love Me Tender, which came out in September of 1956. I know these things because I have time. I don't have a life. I, I read. It's sad. We'll talk. The point is that they borrowed a tune. And uh, the tune is actually fought over. There are people who believe it was written by a guy during the Civil War, but it shows up in the Scottish borders well before that time. And so I would sing one verse of Love Me Tender, then the other of Ara Lee, and go back and forth like this. Well, there, was, there were some people that wrote me in saying, we have an, uh, our father, and his, we, everybody calls him Mr. Charlie. He was married for 50 years to his, the love of his life, Mary Rose. She passed last year, and our father is passing. We just want to let you know that when we played this for him, he lit up. And so I played it again, but just with the Elvis lyrics, uh, because those were the ones he would know. And they'd ask if I could, and I'd fire that off to them. I shared this with my wife. They sent me a note the next day saying, seven in the morning, they played that for Mr. Charlie, and he just was in bed. He couldn't react except to smile. And at 7.59, he passed on. Songs are what we remember. Songs are what we put our hooks into, or they put their hooks into us. I'm going to do something today that I almost never do. No, not quit early. Get your hopes and lay them aside. This is not a place for hope. Um, <laughs> it's far too easy to preach what we used to call concordant sermons. Young ministers were famous for these. They're going to preach on faith, so what they'll do is they go to a concordance. Concordance is, is a place that lists, lists every time a particular word is found in the Bible. And so they'd find a whole bunch of times where the word faith is, and they'd pull it out of context everywhere, mash it up, and do a sermon on faith not going to quite do that, but I am going to take a look at seven different words that are often translated to sing or to worship or to praise to show you the wild variety that is in Scripture that often does not come through to us in English. And I, I always want to state this. I'm not a, uh, I, I don't know Greek. I am an, I'm passing friends with Hebrew, but I know people. And I like to ask questions. And so people helped me put this together. The first word is a word which Fourth Avenue people should know well because of uh, one of your worship ministers, and that is halal. You might not know, however, that it means a particular kind of praise, a praise that is over the top, showy but not in the show-offy thing. It means you are expressing yourself. It is really coming out of you. It's a very big counter to our quiet, subdued, Western-style, Victorian-era worship. We sometimes get distracted by amens. I've been to places before when I was, uh, years and years ago, I was asked to preach at a friend's church, and he's African-American. Back that time, he was black. We didn't have that term. I was just a kid. It was my first time to go to a black church. I had a 15-minute sermon. It went about 40 minutes because every time I'd start to slow down, the elders that were all seated behind you, let us not do that, by the way. That's not it. They, they would all sit, and they'd shout to keep going. 
And they were, and it was exciting, people. I enjoyed it, but when I left there, I was very, ooh, this is not what I'm used to. Uh, and then the next Sunday, I missed it. This is halal. This is opening up. Think of Samuel, and, um, and rather in the book of Samuel, whenever David strips down to his underwear, gets all excited and rejoices and overtop singing and dancing, and God blesses him for it, and God curses those who criticize him for this. I told you before that up in Rochester, we were singing a song. We've sung it here where it talks, you've changed my morning into dancing. Now, we sang it. We, we didn't mean it, but we sang it. And we had some visitors who didn't know we didn't mean it. And they leapt into the aisleways and started dancing. And a couple of our people, I think at that moment, were thinking, well, we're not going to sing that one again. No, they, they, they were able to, to get through it. That is halal. It is, it's amazing. And by the way, we're not Gnostics. I'm not going to explain Gnosticism to you today because it would give everybody a headache. We'd be in here for eight hours, and when we left, we wouldn't understand it. But it boils down to, they had a split between the body and the spirit. And they believed that if you had all knowledge, that it didn't matter what your body did because your spirit was elevated. And there were those that uh, didn't take that tack. But we are both spirit and body. And what we do in our body has a direct effect on what happens to our soul. There's a reason, young folk, why parents will tell you to sit up straight. There's a reason why they'll tell you, put your eyes up here, look up when you talk to somebody. What you do with your body has effect on your soul and your spirit. It has a huge effect. Therefore, if you've never raised your hands during a song, give it a go. See what happens. I've thought about doing a tutorial on this because there are several different hand raisings. You know, there is, I'm holding my baby. There, there is the... The fish was this big. Um, there is the saluting the sun. It's a yoga pose, but it works pretty well. I, I, I was beside a guy once in a church, and he was doing this. I said, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. This, yes. The no, no. There are, and, and, and we'll do that in a future time. But uh, singing when you're kneeling, singing when you're moving, it matters what you do with your arms, your hands, your body. Clapping is good. We need lessons because we tend to clap on one and three, and that's just wrong. I don't think God's up there on the throne going la, 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 but it's still wrong. So uh, Mark perhaps can give us lessons on that whenever I do the hand thingy. Uh, we'll just do it. Now, we'll warn you that it's coming so you can attend elsewhere. There's another word, fella. It means to praise vocally in songs or shouts. And there's not a lot more meat on the bone when it comes to fella. But let's point this out. And we need to point this out with several of these words. God likes noise. He likes noise. Do you remember our reading of Ephesians last week? And we've got a lot of scriptures, but we're going to hit that at the end. He said, don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Spirit. Just lose control with the Spirit of God. It just, you're so full, it's got to come out. We need a little bit more of that. Something needs to happen. I see a good friend of mine back here who was in a, um, a vocal uh, acapella group that sang for a lot of youth rallies and, and other events. 
I had basically just gotten off the boat. I, I, well, I guess I'd been here for a few years when I went up to do a youth rally in Perrysburg, Ohio. And I took my daughter with me, and she was six, maybe. I don't think she was seven yet at that time. And uh, here, Kevin's group, I'm going to call it Kevin's group, got up, started singing, and they did a lot more of the clapping and moving and shouting thing than I was comfortable with. Um, we don't do much of that. And I was going, eh, and I was wondering, do I disapprove? I was actually asking that because it came from legalism. That's always a question I have to ask myself. Do I disapprove of this or is this all right? And then I looked over and my daughter was in it. She was excited. And that completely changed my opinion because I'd seen her the Sundays before. As we sang the old songs in the old way, they're not bad. Do not read into this. And saw her little head looking down. And I looked around at so many others with their songbooks looking down. And I call that testifying to the tiles. There's not much energy. There's not. And I went, if I have to get over myself so that my daughter has a chance to worship God when she grows up, it's time to get over myself. So you may not have ever known this, but you had a big hand, Kevin, in moving me along that continuum. So if I'm making a mistake now, it's all on you. But <laughs> stories told, I wish it was true because it'd be a great story, but I think it's a preacher's story, which is just an illustration of uh, during worship, and a woman kept shouting out praise and the like, and the deacon would walk over and go, shh. And she just kept going. Finally, he, he said, woman. And she said, I can't help it. I'm full of the Spirit. And he goes, you didn't get it here. Well, <laughs> if you worship Thela, you have the right to, to shout and praise. Then there is Zamar, which means to praise with instruments, with or without vocals. You don't have to have vocals. You can just use the instruments to praise. Yes, it's in there. It's in the Bible in several places. We see it in the history of the, rather in the Hebrew scriptures, but we also see it in the history of the church. Throughout the centuries, there have been instrumental pieces that did not have words attached, but moved people because they were worship pieces. Sometimes we don't have words, and so we play. Just like the Spirit interprets our prayers when we do not have words, I'm sure God interprets our notes when we do not have words. But we want to praise him or pour out our heart in some ways. Zamar actually means to bang things. You know, there are religions where they, uh, they will make big noises and bang things, and there's no melody to it. But the, the, the tradition in there is we have to drive out the evil spirits so that uh, by proclaiming so much with noise that we belong to Jesus. You know, that's not really a relic of a superstitious people. That's a good psychological principle at work here. Replacement. Where we replace one meaning with another. Now all the shouts and such is being given to Jesus. Now remember that Jesus warning long ago that said, if you drive out the strong man... But you don't replace him with anything. You just sweep your house clean. He's going to get his buddies and come back and get you. When we throw the devil out, we've got to fill up with something. We've got to replace with something. I've been places before where I didn't understand the worship. Not because it's a different language that's happened too, but uh, like when I went to France thinking I spoke French. I don't speak French. 
I found that out within 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, I'm standing, they're talking like crazy. I'm going, my aunt has a red pencil box. You know, I've got nothing, basically, <laughs> except memorized phrases. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where the music was so loud. And some of us will cringe and we'll go, oh, that's just noise. You know something? It might be for us. But let's not assume it is for God. Because Zamar, they made noise. Then there's hallelujah. There's a word you've heard. Hallelujah. What you might not know is those were words used by the worship leader to get you going. Saying, right, it's your turn now. Praise the Lord. Go for it. I've been in churches before where the, the, the worship leader has called on everybody to make an offering of praise to Jesus. And I didn't know what that meant. And everybody starts doing their own little song or dance or, or singing and the like. And I'm standing around. You know, I'm, I'm not very Scottish anymore. I've been away for a long time, but I'm too Scottish for that. And, and so I, I'll just kind of stand there thinking, a, a sacrifice of praise. I didn't bring a sheep. What do I do? And so I'm, 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 I can't even fake it at that stage. But that's, it's more than cheerleading. Whenever the worship, yells, worship leader says hallelujah, it is an act of authority where the minister is calling on you to praise. And I was the one that was wrong in the crowd, not the crowd. Because I hadn't really learned how to just be drunk with the Spirit rather than drunk with wine. A worship minister has a lot of authority. They can direct us to sit or stand. They choose what we sing. They direct the flow of worship. And that is the kind of person in the Old Testament who would call for the church to right now, hallelujah. It's a word we might want to work back in somehow not as a stopgap phrase, but as a, as a command. Then there is yada. That's a call to get your body into the worship. Are you noticing a theme here? It's not particularly a theme I was expecting when I looked for the words for praise and singing and worship and asked for help from friends. I was hoping that there was more of the sit sedately and, and think pleasant thoughts style of worship. But, yeah, amen. Uh, <laughs> Because nobody here wants to see me dance. Nobody wants to see me dance. And my mom's Irish, and, and those folk only dance from here down. So they, uh, that's, I, I, like I said before, I think it's so they don't spear, spill the beer, but they're, they're trying, they're at least trying to worship. Yada is a, is a word meaning get your body into the worship. Historically, it was a call to throw your arms up and to get, into, get physical with this. It matters what your body's doing. You ever been, ever pulled up beside somebody at the stoplight and you look over and they're just, you know, they're doing a whole Stevie Wonder thing in the front seat or, or, or they're, you know, or they're singing into their phone or something. It, it's, it's amazing. What's worse is when you pull up a stoplight and they see you doing it. Cause then you, I, what, what, what do you do? You know, do you roll down the window, ask them to join in? I'm not sure what the protocol is there. I will tell you this. God isn't asking us to do this because he needs it. He's asking us to do it because we need it. We do. We need, we need play in our lives. We need it. A couple of times this last week, you know, Cammie's been out of town, and, and so I had uh, a little bit of extra time when I wasn't working, and I would uh, text my, my daughter, because you don't, you don't call anybody anymore. That would just be crazy. So I, I, I would text her and say, can I come over and play with the boys? 
And she'd say yes. And so I'd go over and play for a couple of hours with the boys. And two hours is really all I can do, you know. And, and on the way home, I'd just be sucking on the oxygen tank and glad <laughs> that I had that time with them. When I, when I quit playing is when I really need start dying. We need to play and worship. It's one of the reasons why, it's one of the reasons why I go to Awana on the first Wednesday of the month. Because the kids get their body into it. I don't, because I don't want to gross the kids out. But I love to watch it. Then there's Tauda. This is a great word for us in the churches of Christ. And by the way, no, that doesn't mean I'm about to insult the church of Christ. We've given many gifts to the religious community. Tauda means to sing out in harmony. My favorite story on harmony is from our third service in Rochester, Michigan. We would have three, one right after the other, and I loved it. I've had people say, doesn't that wear you out? Not really. The energy of the people is amazing. And the last service was for people that didn't like worship. And so many, we had about 200 that would come to that, didn't know the rules. One of them was, um, uh, used to be a drug addict and a dealer. Now he was a Christian and he was still uh, like 19 or 20 years old. Serious, it's a white guy and he'd walk in with a raccoon coat and a hat like Superfly. It was, an, he was an interesting guy. And, and Andrew would always come in five minutes late so everybody could see him. We sat beside me, and I don't know why the worship leader decided to go super old school, which is fine, but third service. That was not that play. And sang angry words. Now, everybody in Churches of Christ know this. Because one group saying love one another, the other's going, you know, and it goes, you know, the, it, it's, a, it's a counter thing. And so as they were doing, I was doing the counter thing, and he was staring, sitting right there staring at me. And I, I finally looked over at him. He goes, dude. You're off. <laughs> and, and I leaned over and I said, no, this is a traditional song. And it, it has this contra statement. And, and I'm supposed to be doing this other. He just kind of nodded a little bit. So I started again. Now, he wasn't quiet. He said it about this level. He said, dude, really, you are off. <laughs> but we're pretty good at that harmony stuff, aren't you? Brother, Brother Albert, one of my favorite memories I'm going to have the rest of my life is that the last singing that, that Mark had for us, when you stood up and what you, you said, we're not going to look at our books, we're just going to do a couple, a, one verse of a bunch of invitation songs from the past. And I was, I was thinking, now how's this going to go? Wow. Four-part harmony, memory, cultural community memory just went through the roof. I wish all of you could have been here. It was, well, all of you could have been here. Where were you? <laughs> you know, it's not necessary to go to heaven, but maybe. <laughs> it was a foretaste of heaven, was it not? Those of you that were here. It was amazing. We join in the song because this is our song. This is our community song. You do get this out in the world sometimes. I don't know why. But one, uh, the World Cup's going on right now, for those of you that need you know, help sleeping. Um, the, the World Cup is going on right now. And, uh, and I know you, you anger the soccer fans, but that, if you just bump them, they'll fall on the floor and fake an injury. So it, it's all right. It's okay. It's all right. Then you can get away from them. There's an English soccer club whose song, uh, and by the way, they're in the stands, which there are no seats. You stand. That's why they're called that. They're in the stands, and they'll put their arms around each other and drunkenly sing at the top of their lungs, you'll never walk alone. 
And I'm going, how is that a soccer song? But it's their song. You know, in Scotland, they may sing Flower of Scotland or the like, and uh, it's, it's, it's their song. Well, we have our songs. Think of a rock concert where the band comes in, and you're really getting into it, but you're waiting for them to play their hit. They had one. It was good. Get to it. And eventually, they sing it, and the whole place sings with them. It's, you know, go to YouTube, find any live concert but Journey. When they start singing, don't stop believing. The crowd explodes in joy because they've been waiting for this. And when Steve Perry or any of the ones who followed him step back from the microphone, you'd better believe that every single person screams out, born and raised in South Detroit. It's the law. <laughs> you have to say it. That's what we're talking about. It's our song. This is what we sing Sometimes we refer, I, it, it, I've heard many people refer to there is a God as the Church of Christ national anthem. We're good at that song. We're good at so many. Tada. Then there's Shabbat, which means to reach out with affection to God. Show him you love him. There are some of us that are of a certain age that remember mixtapes. Kids, let me explain. It's like a playlist on your iPod now or your iPhone. It's like a playlist. What we would do is we'd get a cassette tape. I cannot explain these things to you. Um, if you had a pencil, you could fix it. It was amazing. But we had a, we had a cassette tape. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was remarkable. You'd leave it in the car and, and songs would sound different. But, but we would collect something. We would play off of records. We would, um, we would you know, wait for the song to come on the radio and hit record. And we would, we would do a list of songs for our beloved, the one we loved, and we would take them and give them a mixtape. It was Shabbat. It was showing affection. That did not work with eight tracks, because right in the middle of a long love song, you'd hear, Kaboom. it was, who came up with this? It was awful. Anyway, those of us that didn't have cassettes, we would call into the radio station. And we'd say, well, I'd like to give a dedication to this person, this song, you know, and, and you'd hope that they would play it, and you'd hope that the other person was listening on the radio. It was a sending a song out in affection, Shabbat. It means we're dedicating our song to God. This one belongs to you, Jesus, giving him a shout out. Is it a love song? Kind of, but not sappy, sentimental. I had, um, I listened to an Episcopalian um, priest, and she was, was a Jew from North Carolina, so I mean, we had the, a trifecta of uh, interesting right there. And she, she referred to a lot of music. She said, I love coming to the Church of Christ because you don't have girl with guitar, Jesus is my boyfriend music. Oh, I wrote that down. <laughs> I am using this the rest of my life. Um, some songs can be sappy. That's not what we're talking about. It means we really, really love you. A week or so ago, I went to see my middle grandson's first basketball game. Older grandson's a phenom, and so I, I was really surprised that the six-year-old decided to give it a go, and he's doing fine. But as we got there, way across the quad, I'm going to say 50, 70 yards, whatever it was, there was wee Ollie. Ollie's not quite three, but he believes I was put on the earth to play with him and nothing else. 
He had a t-shirt down to his ankles, wearing it for, you know, yay, my, my brother. He spied me, barefoot running at a tear, heading at me. I'm going to remember that the rest of my life. As soon as he got there, I thought I'd get a big hug, but this is Ollie. He stopped, he patted me on the leg, and he goes, Granda, let's go. <laughs> wow. I could die now, but it would scare Ollie, so let's wait. <laughs> it's affectionate, saying, we really want to be by you. We want to be near you. We want that thin place to thin out some more. We want to be where you are. Pay attention, God. We have something we want to say to you. Thank you. We love you. We need you. Please walk with us. Look at these passages. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. And that rejoices a singing. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are my, our God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. Amazing picture. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. See, this is the appropriate response. James has a lot to do with about being appropriate. When you pray, there are some appropriate things to talk about. And when you disagree with each other, there are some appropriate ways to shut up and just get along. James is a I refer to him, and I, I, my dentist is actually in the room, but I refer to, to James as a cosmic dentist, because you know you have to go. This is not going to be fun. <laughs> That's James. And James is going to, going to say some things to you that are going to be hard, and one of the other things is, this is appropriate. If you appreciate God, let him know. Sing. I read an article on the life and songs of Pete Seeger. Pete Seeger played the banjo in an old, outdated style called Frailing. His voice was pretty good, but not outstanding. His songs were often protest songs or folk songs, and some of the folk songs were rather odd, like the Twelve Bells of Remney. He was often out of step with his times, and yet he was one of the most powerful voices of an entire generation, one of the shapers of the national consciousness in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. And why? The writer of the article said it can all be summed up by this. We sang his songs with him. In the book of Revelation, the angels sing the songs we sing. They join in. Would you please stand? I've gone too long or somebody else did, but we're out of time. Sorry, teachers. Class starts in five minutes regardless. Be there or you don't like Jesus. Uh, there. <laughs> there is power in joining in. There is power in piercing the veil, shrinking the thin place, because we are running right through it into the arms of God in song. We are people that live on planet Earth, and yet we can address face-to-face -face the creator of all things, and he is listening. And that is the ultimate thin place.